Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Isn't that awesome? It's going to be so wonderful to get to heaven and meet the fruit of our investment. And so as you donate, we take your donations very, very seriously. God's doing a mighty work. We're so excited about what God is doing, and I'm so excited to see what he's going to do as part of my study this morning uh, in these next years. As I mentioned, we've been together, I said 17, 18 years. We'll have completed 18 years uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So very, very exciting. And Susan is doing a wonderful job. And uh, wow, such a high percentage of unbelievers, uh, but really that doesn't sound much different than America. Many, many unbelievers in America that need Jesus. And so as we see what's happening in the days we're living in, um, we want to we keep our perspective, eternal perspective, because um, people are dying every single day. And uh, I think what's the, what's the rate, uh, survival rate of, of the virus is like 996 and so people are dying of heart attacks, they're dying of cancer, uh, they're being murdered, so forth and so on. And so even though the Antichrist, I believe, is alive, and there's an agenda to bring America down, and so we can get so focused on that agenda that we forget our agenda as believers, that we're ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. And yes, we need to be educated and we should talk about these things and try to educate others. But be very, very careful that you don't take that education against the word of God. Don't ever elevate our constitution above the word of God. We're slaves. We're slaves. We're servants of the most high God. And so we obey the word of God to the best of our ability uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and always we're trying to remember uh, that people are watching, they're listening to our talk, but more importantly, they're watching our walk. Does our Christian walk match our Christian talk? If it doesn't, as you know, it doesn't matter to them then. You're just another whatever, a religious person. And we don't want to be a religious person. We want to show them we can, yet they can have a relationship because we have a relationship. And so what a blessing to hear these testimonies of missionaries when they come. We love to give them time and just to just hear uh, the relationships that takes time to develop. As Susan shared, it took years to develop those relationships. And even though there might not be a lot of fruit, one soul one soul going to heaven is a lot of fruit in the kingdom of God. And so don't negate your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members. Don't give up on them. You know, if they have a position that is diametrically opposed to yours, don't give up on them. They might be giving up on you. We've had people in this flock who have been told, don't visit us until you get the shot. Okay, that's fine, I won't. But I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to text you. I'm going to email you. I'm going to do whatever I can do unless you tell me don't have any communication with me at all. I'm going to keep reaching out to you because I love you. And guys, that's what Christianity is. We still love them. Even though we might be diametrically opposed, hey, love them where they're at. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, 
We'll see if we make it through the chapter, see what happens. If you're new or visiting, we go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. The ladies are going through 1 Peter. Uh, the men are going through James at our Bible study. Uh, as you see, Pastor Darrell is going through 1 Samuel. And on Sunday mornings, we're going through 1 Corinthians. Father, we thank you that we have the freedoms we have to still carry a Bible. We thank you for your Holy Spirit inspiring us to be here. Lord, we pray for anyone who's here this morning uh, that doesn't want to be here, that's coming out of obligation, uh, that's coming out of pressure, uh, that's coming just because they're here. Lord, we pray that you would stir their hearts and you would open their eyes, that we are all marching towards eternity. No one knows the day or the hour that we're going to leave this earth, but we're all going to leave. And so, Lord, help us to be aware of what's taking place around us, especially what's taking place in eternity, that we might understand your word. Lord, we pray as saints, we pray for these unbelievers, that their eyes would be opened via your Holy Spirit this morning, that they would truly grasp that they they already have an opinion about Jesus, but is it a biblical opinion? that you would open their eyes to the biblical Jesus, not the religious Jesus, the biblical Jesus, that you would be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, and as we've been studying about a young church that was in need of sound instruction, they had asked various Paul various questions, and he was addressing them in, in 1 Corinthians here. But this morning, we're going to see Paul touch on an issue that they probably didn't have a question about. But they needed a mild rebuke for obvious reasons. You see, the early church had communion as one of its foundational practices. You can look at Acts 2.42. The church would gather for what they would call an agape feast or a love feast. Agape means love, unconditional, committed, selfless love. It was a time of breaking bread together and encouraging one another in the ways of the Lord. And this feast would often end with the celebration of communion, a new, the new covenant enacted by the Lord himself. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Now again, if you're new or visiting, we encourage you to have a paper Bible. We encourage you to have a paper Bible. I know some of you use other uh, your, use your devices for font size. I get it. I understand. And, and, and uh, so there's no guilt or condemnation. You have your paper Bible at home. I understand that. But I encourage you to at least have a paper Bible that you get very, very used to. You get very, very used to. Uh, your electronics might get shut off one day. Well, that'll never happen. Things are happening faster than you could imagine. It's very grieving to have our leaders saying, I don't know if you've listened at all to the news, but to have our leaders saying, well, you know, this is going to take a while. Well, just get used to this. They're not coming out with solutions. If you haven't noticed that, you're not paying attention. They're not coming out with exact, this is what we're going to do, this is how it's going to work, and by this day it's going to take place. No, they're writing just, just kind of broad statements. Well, this may be with us for a while. In other words, get used to it because equity, equity has to take place. Equity has to take place. And you cannot bring the poor up. The world is predominantly poor. But you can bring the rich down. 
and there's very few rich people. And so the way that you bring the rich down is through what you are seeing taking place. It's a planned, it's a methodical plan by the Antichrist. This administration is doing a wonderful job obeying his commands, and we are being brought down. That's very grieving. It's very grieving. But we've got to remember, guys, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and Jesus said this will take place. That's a guarantee. These things are going to take place. So as the darkness maybe gets darker, you've got to remember we get brighter, People are looking for answers right now. And they know the government doesn't have them. So do we? Absolutely. Are we available? Mm, Maybe. Maybe not. So we need to make sure that we're available. Well, Hebrews chapter 9, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. If you're not familiar with the Bible, that's why you want to read from Genesis to Revelation, so that when you read the New Testament, you go, oh, that goes back to the Old Testament. I understand. Just think how much more the blood of Christ, the anointed one, the blood of Jesus, will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. So in the Old Testament, especially when they had the temple, when they sinned, there was very specific sacrifices that they had to offer to cleanse their conscience, to cleanse them of their sin. And there were blood sacrifices. And they were to be perfect as perfect as possible. You'll see later on what I mean by that. For by the power of the eternal spirit, notice capital S, so the Holy Spirit, and notice that the Holy Spirit is eternal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for sins. You might want to also notice in verse 14, what do you see there? Big picture theology, the Trinity or the triunity of the Godhead. Because there are certain religions that will say the word Trinity is not in the Bible, so Trinity doesn't exist. Well, you want to let that Jehovah Witness know the word Jehovah is not in the Bible, so you don't exist. The word Jehovah is not in the Bible. You go, well, no, it's in my Bible. No, it's not. We inserted the vowels. The Jewish people had such a reverential fear, a holy fear of God, that they would not write out the name of God. To this day, those who practice Judaism, they will not say the name of God. It is so, they have such a reverential fear, a holy fear for that name, they won't want it to cross their sinful lips. Thank God for Jesus, that we know that God. And we, and we can have that same holy fear Not an unhealthy fear, but a holy fear. And when the name does cross our lips, we shouldn't say, ah, Jesus Christ. What? You know, sometimes people at work, when I was working at Motorola, they'd say, God damn it. I'd say, you know what? You really don't want God to damn that. Because that's your job. And if God damns that, you're going to get fired. And then I'd go about my business. You know, just that took 10 seconds. And they'd go, Just plant that seed. Just plant the seed. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest. 
Don't be shocked by it. Just plant the seed. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest. The Holy Spirit's working on them. And they thought about it next time when I was around. They thought about saying that word. Verse 15, that phrase. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. You see, there's one mediator, Jesus Christ, not Mary, not Joseph, not the saints of the Roman Catholic Church. One mediator, Jesus Christ. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance. What would that be? Heaven. God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. You see, the old covenant, the law of God, was focused upon meeting the requirements of the written word. I sinned. I have to offer this sacrifice to be cleansed of my sin. And it had to be offered at the temple. This caused tremendous consternation when the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And then when the, t- the, the second temple was destroyed by the Romans. To this day, they cannot offer animal sacrifices because they don't have a temple. But there will be a third temple built on the temple mount and they will go back to animal sacrifices. They're already practicing it. They have all the utensils. They're going to get that sucker built in a tremendous amount of time. It's not going to take decades. It's going to be boom, boom, boom. The temple's up. There's already space on the temple mount. We've walked on the temple mount. We know right where it's going to be because the Muslims put in the late 900s, they built the Shrine of the Spirits. You can go, you can find this yourself. It's called the Shrine of the Spirit. It's on the Temple Mount. And the Muslims, the Muslims say, this is where the Holy of Holies once stood. This modern garbage that the Jews have never been in Israel that the temple would never been in Israel is literally that garbage. Their own religion built the shrine, the, the, the little uh, capula, I think they call it. And it's on the temple mount, shrine of the spirit, shrine of the spirit, or dome of the spirit, either way. So the old covenant, the law of God, was focused upon meeting the requirements of the written word. The new covenant, which Jesus established, communion through the cross, now focuses upon a relationship with the living word. You see the difference? Requirements versus relationship. Religion is requirements. We're looking into a relationship. You see, Jesus established the covenant of communion to show mankind that everyone has an opportunity to participate in this new covenant of grace. And communion is the basis for unity within the body of Christ. You know, even when we sing songs, there's not total communion. I mean, there's not total unity. Um, we'll often hear, you know, you don't sing enough hymns. You don't sing enough hymns. Or um, the drums are too loud. Or the guitar, you know, is it, is it about the guitar? Or, or you don't have enough singers. Or you have too many singers. Or why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? So there's not total unity even in singing, unfortunately. I encourage you to look at the words and sing the words. It's not the, it's not the messenger's it's the message. Just like this morning, it's not the messenger, it's the message. Are you hearing the message? Are you singing the message? It's not about a hymn or a modern song. It's about the message. So really get focused on the message. Well, communion, though, is a basis for unity within the body of Christ because we all agree Jesus died and rose again. And he died for what? For our sins. 
The communion table brings everyone, no matter what their social or economic stand, status, into the unity of love. And that's what's dealing, being dealt with here in the leaven, social status. You see, this is what was disturbing to Paul about the situation at Corinth. The believers had taken the wonderful practice of focusing upon the selfless sacrifice of Jesus and turned it into a self-indulgent party. How do I know that? Verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Since you come together not for the better but for the worse. Now we know in this letter already that Paul praised them for other things, but for this situation, Paul does not praise them. You see, they had taken the agape feast and they had turned it into a social function, a time to separate into economic groups creating sex or cliques. This shouldn't happen, but it often does within the church. And I don't think we have this issue in this church. I really don't. And that's because we focus on the love of Christ for everyone. Our focus will determine our mental state. Your focus will determine your mental state, which will determine your temporal actions. Do you see everyone on the same level playing field? Then you'll reach out to everyone in the body of Christ. If you don't, then you only reach out to certain people, certain people that you think meet your status, whatever that is. So we might think of a clique as maybe five to ten people getting together. The clique could be your own little clique in your own little mind. Because I'm not going to say hello to that person. Look at the way they're dressed. Look at that. They're wearing a ball cap. I can't believe they wear a ball cap to church. Well, if you don't know Jesus and they know Jesus, they're going to heaven, you're going to hell. So don't focus on the ball cap. You better focus on Jesus. Because God's not focused on the ball cap. Our focus, again, will determine our mental state, which will determine our temporal actions. Look at verses 18 and 19. For first of all, when you come together as a church, notice it's just as in a home group, when you come together as a body of believers, the church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. He spent time with them before. He goes, eh, not surprising. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. The word division. Divisions there is a split or gap. It's a schism. And what we're going to see in these verses is that Paul is not dealing with a split or a gap over doctrinal issues, but over economic status, which I've already mentioned. Paul knew how to deal with his own fleshly desires. So it was no surprise that the Corinthian church was struggling in this area as well. You see, it's easy for the enemy to come in and cause division over the most simplistic issues, even the color of the carpet. What Paul desires to establish here, though, is that an agape feast, or more importantly, communion, should not become one of those issues. Heresies in King James, we read here factions, New King James, it's a fundamental error in religion or an error of opinion respecting some fundamental doctrine of that religion. You see, there'll always be people who will consciously or unconsciously form groups within the church. It's unavoidable. But then those groups will often find fault with church teachings. They start to dissect the leadership, the way they do things, the way they live, the the way they behave, maybe even the cars they drive. 
or they do what's happening here. They just become self-seeking. But there are also those saints whom feel more, you feel more comfortable with. So let's not go on an extreme. Let's try to find that balance. They share like-minded interests or hobbies, family similarities, or having school-aged children. There's not an agenda against the church or the leadership. There's nothing wrong with having a group of friends like that. Nothing at all wrong with that at all. But it's when that group of friends ignores or purposely disassociates themselves from others within the church that problems start to arise. This is the key, and this is very important for agape, that people see that as a church we have agape love, which we hear on a regular basis. I see in this fellowship a bunch of believers that love Jesus and they love serving others. And as I've already mentioned, next month we have completed 18 years of being together. And it's been a tremendous blessing. We've had to make a lot of really big decisions. And there hasn't been major divisions. There hasn't been schism in the body, this body. People are like, eh, color a carpet, who cares? We got carpet. Color of chairs? Eh, let's match the old chairs. When we, had, we used to have 225 chairs. They were the purple chairs. And some people said, you know, why don't we just have a different color? This purple is kind of like everywhere. Why don't we do a different color? I go, so you want to throw out these 225 perfectly good chairs for a different color chair? Mm, I guess not. Yeah, I don't think so either. So we bought another 275 purple chairs. And everybody was like, eh, they're comfortable. Who cares? But that's the mentality that, you, that we all need to develop. It's not about me. People suggest things. I go, that's a great idea. Let's do it. I support them. They support me. We support each other. It's all about loving each other, realizing the Holy Spirit is working amongst us all. It's wonderful. But here, the church at Corinth, love was not the emphasis, and it showed at their agape feast. In verse 19, Paul says, are approved. Notice verse 19 there. Are approved. It means acceptable, pleasing. Acceptable, pleasing. You see, Paul was simply saying that when you gather, you will see those who are sincere, sincere in their Christian love for all and those who are not. You'll see that. This is something that every Christian has to deal with on a regular basis, myself included. When we come together, it's so easy to go and hang out with those whom you are familiar with. And I don't think a majority of people, because sometimes people will come to a church and they'll make a comment. I don't think a majority of people do that out of a desire to hurt someone, but just out of comfort. I don't think people are like that. I don't think people in this church are like that. So I encourage us all as we see new people arriving in the fellowship on a regular basis to continue to reach out to someone new. You know, I too talk to these families and I try to reach out and find out a little bit about them. I don't remember their names because I got a two-week memory if you're new or visiting. I'll, I'll ask you your name at least 100 times and then 100 more times because I wasted my mind in the 70s, literally. So it's just the way it is. But keep reaching out. Because it's really hard in a transition. Some of them have left their church of 10, 15, 20 years. They had home fellowship. They went to Wednesday night. They did this. They did that. They had their group of friends. And now they're just coming to the desert. And this is the desert. Our, my previous pastor used to say the only reason why they settled here was because the horses died here. <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
So, you know, we want to help them in that transition, in that transition. Love them, invite them to things. Reach out, invite them to a men's Bible study, to a women's Bible study, to a home fellowship, maybe out to lunch, to, to your home, to have a dinner, to have a meal, a play day, whatever it might be. Remember one race, the human race, and one family, the church. Whether you're single, married, children, no children, young, old, you're part of the church. So there's the exhortation for those of us, but I want to also encourage those of you who don't participate. And then you might think, well, you know, this isn't a very loving church. Well, if you go to any church and you don't participate, no church is going to be a loving church. You need to participate. You need to get involved. You need to be a part of the body because you, if you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you have a gift that the body needs. So when you don't use your gift, it's not the body's problem because we don't even know that you have that gift, but you have it. It's your problem. So stop blaming the church and get involved. Verse 20, Paul is going to show us the real reason why they gather for these feasts and remind them that they have forgotten the true reason for their coming together. Why do we gather for a Bible study on Sunday morning? This isn't in my notes. Just why do we gather? Do we gather to hear some people entertain us? Is that why we're coming? And we sit there and go, I didn't like that song. I didn't like that song. Is that why we gather? Is, is the, the first 20, 30 minutes filler time so I can come late, make sure I have my cup of coffee? You can't have your cup of coffee before 9 o'clock. You shouldn't be drinking. You gotta, you're not a serious coffee drinker. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I've been around them. If you can't have it before service, you're, you're off. You better get something together. Why do you come? Verse 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, notice this, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Communion, what? You're not focusing on communion. You're focusing on yourself at your agape feast. You've forgotten about the Lord's Supper, the relevance of communion. For an eating, he goes on to explain, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry, and another is drunk. Would you like to be a part of this church? You think we got problems today? What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Now, he's not encouraging drunkenness. Read your Bible. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? Okay, notice that, those who have nothing. So what Paul is driving home here in these verses is there's people that have the ability to bring food. They bring, you know, they bring the cooler. They got two coolers. They got the food and they got the drinks. And there's some people that just kind of sneak in the back door because they don't got nothing to bring. And they feel like, man, I I shouldn't even be here. Look at this person in front of me. Look at everything they've got. And I can't bring anything. I don't belong. That's still relevant to today. There's certain denominations where if you don't dress a certain way, 
they will look at you a certain way. You don't belong here. Where's your shirt and tie? Where's your suit? And if you don't think that's true, (laughs) go find one of those churches. They're here in Phoenix. And show up in your shorts and shirt. You will probably not be let in the church. I've heard stories from Christians who have been asked to leave the church because they were improperly dressed. I'm not talking about immodestly dressed. Improperly dressed. There's a dress code to the church. No, there's not. Come as you are. Come as you are. Now, don't abuse that. Don't abuse that. Have respect. But come as you are. God loves you just the way you are. And if he wants you to wear something different or change, then he's going to show you. And you should be humble enough to go, you know what, I'm not going to do that again. I made people feel uncomfortable dressing that way. Especially ladies. You know how to dress. And you know what's inappropriate. So don't play games with anybody else. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. You see, they had taken the unifying act of communion and allowed the enemy to bring tremendous division into the church. Randy, you want to throw that one up there? They had taken the unifying act of communion and allowed the enemy to bring tremendous division into the church. You just read it. You just read it. One is hungry. Why is one hungry? Because everybody else who brought it went through first. There's nothing left. Oh, you want a pickle? Oh, great, I'd love a pickle. Got an olive to go with this? And another is drunk. Paul's rebuking them. Basically, in verse 22, those who were well off were causing the poor to feel ashamed of their position in the church. Do some Christian churches, as I already mentioned, promote a certain style of dress that can make the less financially blessed person feel ashamed to attend their services. It's not that they don't want to maybe wear a suit and tie. Could they afford a suit and tie? You see, Paul does not commend them about this attitude, and the church today should think that it's, and shouldn't think it's acceptable either. You see, when we gather for a meal or come together to have a church service, we should encourage people to come as they are with the hope of them receiving the truth of the gospel. 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. You see, Paul was friends with Peter. And I, venture, I would venture to say that several times Peter expressed to Paul what took place on that Passover night. Everything about that Passover night. But also, Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take... Eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. Remember, we, I mentioned old covenant, new covenant? It's about relationship. In my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So even though the Corinthians had been celebrating communion regularly, Paul had to go over the purpose of the covenant once again. And that's why I take my time every time we have communion. And I, some of, I know some of you have heard things here and there um, don't like that per se because you're seasoned saints. And so I'm going to start asking some of you to come up here and do that. I won't do that (laughs) because I know what would happen. 
it's not easy to do. It looks like it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. It's a precious time remembering the blood of Christ. And so we take our time every time we have communion because there might be one new person here that came out of a religion. I came out of a religion every Sunday, every Mass. Every Mass we celebrated communion, every single Mass. And a priest has to celebrate Mass every single day. Every priest has to celebrate a Mass every single day. And the priest is crucifying, re-crucifying Christ at every Mass. Don't get upset at me. This is church doctrine. Not this church's doctrine, but the Roman Catholic Church's doctrine. So it's just mature. Don't get upset, just mature. And listen to what I'm saying. I'm not bashing. I'm teaching you about other religions. And that the bread and the juice turn into the body, literally, transubstantiation, literally turn into the body and blood of Christ. Literally. Hmm, that would be cannibalism. You won't find that in the scriptures. And so as we get into a relationship, we have to debug the program. We have to debug the program. Because most of us were probably raised in a religion. Muslims typically, like Susan shared, will remain Muslims for their, their lives. Catholics, Roman Catholics will remain Roman Catholics. Jehovah Witnesses, Jehovah Witnesses. Mormon, you pick a religion, they will typically stay that unless their minds are open to the Holy Spirit, they hear the Holy Spirit, they get transformed, and then over a period of time, season, they'll see what's wrong with their religion, and they will leave that religion and just get sold out for Jesus, period. But you have to debug the program. And so let's do that a little bit. Notice, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, given thanks? What's he giving thanks for? By golly, I'm going to the cross tomorrow. You think he was excited about that? He wasn't. Matter of fact, three times he prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this pass by me. Let this cup pass by me. Can we do this another way? But God, not my will, your will be done. I, I, go, I need to go to the cross. But I know it's beyond the cross, death and resurrection, an empty tomb. So I give thanks. He gave thanks and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Was the Lord's body broken? Now, if you do a little study, every time this word is used in the New Testament, it is used in reference to the breaking of bread. And what was Jesus doing at the table? He picked up a loaf of bread and he broke the bread. He broke the bread and passed it around to the disciples. Even when the Lord fed the multitude of five, with five loaves, he blessed and broke the bread. So you can find that thread as you do a little study. So I personally believe that this is not talking about the physical body of Jesus, but symbolic of the new covenant of communion. Remember as well that the Old Testament prophesied that not a bone of the Messiah would be broken. You see, if the bone was broken, then the sacrifice would not be acceptable. It was not an acceptable sacrifice. In verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant, new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Got a scripture here for you. Leviticus seventeen eleven. science finally caught up with the Bible. This was written, I think, about 3,800 years ago. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. When did science discover that? It wasn't until really recently, when you think of 3,800 years very recently. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes 
atonement for the soul. So Jesus is here saying it's by my blood. It's very important that we realize this. For as often as you eat this bread in verse 26 and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So not his resurrection, not his glorification, but what are we remembering? The cross. And what are we proclaiming? The cross. Why the cross? Well, here's part of the problem. They were getting what in verse 21? They were getting drunk. Christians were getting drunk. And not just privately, at their agape feast. God, this bud's for you. Give me some more meat. Ah, there's a problem here. Paul's saying there's a problem here. There's a big problem here. They've forgotten already about the cross. And we can never forget about the cross. I can never forget about the cross. Because when we forget about the cross, then that, that sin becomes a habitual sin, habitual, 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 over and over and over and over. And it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And before you know it, this doesn't apply to you because you're obviously here. But then there's people that you probably know that say, ah, church, full of hypocrites. Who needs them? Eh, I don't need to go to church. I, I'm going to go fishing. I can meet God at the lake. Okay, whatever. They've forgotten the cross. They've made the cross. Let's look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. We're to declare. As you're going there, I'm going to read verse 26 again. Titus chapter 3. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. You proclaim. It means to declare. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You're you're declaring the cross. Titus 3, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, mankind there, and you look up that word, mankind, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Notice. So if you're here today and you're you're trying to be religious, working your way to heaven, you're not going to make it. You're going to hell. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but what? According to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. We've been saved. It's a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Titus 3, verse 6. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified, just as if I'd never sinned, this has been justified by his grace, We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly. This is Paul writing to a young pastor, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men or to mankind. Again, let's look back in 1 Corinthians 11, as we work through the communion, therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Unworthy, the mayor means uh, irreverently, irreverently. So Paul moves into the area of judgment and actually gives the Corinthians and us insight into some of their health problems. Some within the church at Corinth were living in deliberate sin or willful disobedience and become of this attitude as we're going to see in these verses here it was causing some of them to be seriously ill and some to even die verse 28 but let a man examine himself man or woman 
And so let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So if you go home tonight and you want to celebrate communion with your family, you can do this. You do not need a pastor there, an elder there, a deacon there. If you're a single person and you want to celebrate communion, you can do this. You can do this. But you always want to open these verses and you want to do what it says to do. You examine yourself. You just don't do it like, well, you know, this, this would be kind of fun to do. Let's have communion at our party and you go about and make flipping and you do it. You go, Wasn't that fun? Uh, you've, you've, no, no. It's not to be fun, but let a man, let a woman examine themselves and so let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Uh, cup. The word examine there means to test, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not as metals, to recognize as genuine after examination. So you and I, we are to examine ourselves, not psychologically, not going back into our childhood, just looking at the day, today, am I living an unworthy lifestyle? Am I getting drunk? What else was happening at the church in Corinth? They were having sex outside of marriage. They were backbiting each other. They were causing divisions. I'm of Peter, I'm of Paul. Well, I'm super spiritual, I'm of Jesus. No, no, your fleshly is what it is. Your fleshly. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. You see, it is never enough to just know the truth, which would be head knowledge. We must walk in the truth, which is a heart transformation. Please look at that. Because I know people are church shopping, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Pray about where you are called. Not pray where the music is really good. Oh, I just love this music. I'm staying at this church. Hmm. Love the Sunday school. There's three areas. It's not in my notes, but there's three areas. You're looking for a church. Children's ministry, if you have children. If you don't have children, eh, who cares about children's ministry? You should care about it, but you don't. So children's ministry, don't care about that anymore. If you do have children, you care about children's ministry. Uh, teaching, how's the teaching? And worship. Yeah, worship's not that great. I can do with the teaching and kids' ministry. Yeah, teaching's not that great because they have great worship and good teaching. So, ah, okay, I'll, I'll survive. It's like, really? The Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. Everything else, if you don't like the teaching in the Sunday school, you're going to do something about it? It's called get involved. Get involved. You don't like it? Get involved. Make it better. We're always open to making it better. And you're more than welcome to come help, believe me. 3 John 1.3 says this, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, we need to be walking in the truth, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason... Many are weak and sick among you, and many have died. Here we see the results of God's judgment, chastening or discipline upon his own children. You see, it has nothing to do with salvation, but everything to do with our sanctification, that cleansing process for maturity purposes. This goes along with child raising. As I mentioned earlier, Paul gives a direct correlation between communion and illness, and because of those within the church who are taking the precious body and blood of Jesus and our Savior irreverently, it was causing them to become ill. Now, I'd like to make a point here, very important, that it doesn't say all sickness, all weakness, and all death is correlated to sin because it's not. Nor does it say they didn't have enough faith 
because it's not. Take it and leave it in the context. Unworthy lifestyle could result in weakness, sickness, and possibly even death. The Holy Spirit put it in here. It's still applicable to this day. Church communion is serious business. It's not a game. It's not to be played with. We have to examine our own lives on a regular basis. Verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Great exhortation. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, we're disciplined by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. You see, if we do not judge ourselves, then God will be forced to chasten us so that we might learn and spare the hardships of the world. 1 Peter 4.17 says this, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, if God's judging us because we know better, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Well, we know what the end will be. It will be hell. See, it's like a friend of mine used to say, when a nuclear device goes critical, you better run hard and fast because it's going to blow. When a nuclear device goes critical, there's no diffusing it. It's going to blow. So do what 1 John 1, 9 says. If, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Just confess, just confess. Don't let it store up, just confess. First Chronicles 21.13 says this, and David said to Gad, the prophet, I am in a great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are very great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. You can do a back study for that. Just go to the Lord. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, Matt, you can come on up, brother. Therefore, my brethren, when you come, out, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I'll set in order when I come. So just a great exhortation for all of us. When we gather together, what's the bottom line there? What's, what's Paul stressing? Look out for other people. Look out for other people. When we gather together, whether it's a men's study, a women's study, whether it's a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, whether it's a home fellowship, when you go home today, men, you married men, priest of the house, you young men that are not married yet, or even you older men that are not married yet, you guys need to be the priest of the house. Oversee your house. Look at your house. Is my house in order? Physically, mentally, spiritually, is it in order? Four areas, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. So we have an opportunity to lead people to God, to lead people to Jesus. And so as we go out this week, I again encourage you, don't get caught up, hung up with arguments. Um, If you're spending more time listening to news than you are in your Bible, you need to evaluate your life. You need to evaluate your life. Make sure that the Bible's number one. Things are going to happen that we're not going to like, we're not going to agree with. There's the God of this world that is orchestrating many things that you and I do not agree with. But we've got to remember the big picture. Jesus is coming back, and he said, it will be as it was in the days of Sodom. It will be as it was in the days of Noah. We do our part. God will take care of the rest. He's got a plan and a purpose. But guys, as it gets darker, what does that mean? We should be shining brighter. 
to me, I don't know about you, but to me, it's really obvious <laughs> that there's a, something going on here. It's really, really obvious. But yet there's a whole bunch of people that are going, this is a great idea. Yeah, let, this, is a, this is another great idea. Let's just keep going down this road. This is a great idea. Father, we thank you and praise you for your Holy Spirit. And we thank you most of all for your word. For we've already, we know the rest of the story. It's grieving. It, it's so grieving to see children aborted even during a pandemic. Just aborted, aborted, aborted. Hundreds of thousands of babies aborted, murdered, still taking place. And so many people out there fighting, fighting for a woman's right to murder her child. We deserve judgment, God. This country deserves judgment. And maybe it's coming once again as we see a hurricane. That's the way they're explaining it. A hurricane coming into Washington, Oregon, and Northern California. It's not a hurricane, but it's a weather pattern that's, that's never happened before or seldom's happened before. Maybe it's your judgment. I, I don't blame you, God. Your will be done. And Lord, as believers, help us to pick up the pieces and to point people to you that you are a loving God, but you're a just God. You are a just God. And we cannot keep, up, keep on sinning and not expect consequences. So Lord, you will be done for America. Whatever that looks like, you know what's best. We don't. We think we do, but we don't. You know how to bring people to Jesus. And your word even says, save some through fear. Save some. So if that's what it takes, Lord, your will be done. But Lord, give us wisdom as we go out this week to reach those who are, who are asking questions of the hope that we have as believers? How can we have peace in the midst of this turmoil? Because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Because we know the word of God. Because we know the rest of the story. Father, bless our week. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, we all stand, guys. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come up this morning and receive Jesus as your Savior. If you need prayer for anything, we'll have people up here praying. Come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.